People are searching for answers. Doesn't take a lot to figure that out. People are searching for answers. People are looking, considering ways to be successful in this life and in ways that the world defines success. People are looking for how-to and do-it-yourself answers. Uh, One of the most popular videos on YouTube is uh, a way to do something you've never done before. So, for instance, if your car is not acting right, you can look up a video on YouTube on how to fix it. I'm not recommending that you do that if you never fixed your car before, but you can find those kind of videos. People are searching for those answers. People are looking for ways to conquer their fears. People are considering a wide variety of topics in our world today that cover a large topic called mental health, a topic that perhaps is greater in our world today than it's ever been before. And people spend a lot of time searching for answers by reading the history of many different public individuals. They, they try to learn lessons from other people's lives and leadership throughout history so that they can learn how to live as they did. Healthy or not, there are plenty of resources to choose from in our world. The internet has made it possible that within a matter of nanoseconds, you can search Google for any topic and be provided with links and images on that topic. I don't know if you guys remember, maybe I'm old enough to remember this, but you can type in Google uh, before and it would tell you how many answers it brought up and in how long it took to bring that. I never even knew there were that many decimal places, but it could tell you .0000001 whatever of a second how quickly they could search and give you those answers. This last week we had some family with us from southern Missouri and we made the choice to go to the Mall of America the day after Christmas. And by we, I mean not me. But two became one a long time ago, so here we are. While we were at the Mall of America, just on the first floor there, there's a Barnes & Noble. There's one here in Eden Prairie as well. And, of course, if you know me, you know I like coffee, so there's also a Starbucks in the Barnes & Noble at Mall of America. And when you walk in the Barnes and Noble, how many how many book lovers we got in the room? A place like Barnes and Noble. Wow, you guys are a bunch of book lovers. My goodness, this is the service to know. If you walk into a place like Barnes and Noble or um, in other regions of the country, Books a Million or other bookstores, even local bookstores, it's a book lover's dream. You walk into Barnes and Noble and there's shelves upon shelves upon shelves of books, thousands of books upon books. Tucked away in one little side of that bookstore is this one section called religion. And even in the midst of that section called religion, with Bibles, a few little shelves of Bibles and devotional books and things of that nature... Among that section of religion, there's also multiple other types of what are called religions or a blend of opinions about how to find peace. There are plenty of potential voices. I would go far enough to say there are plenty of potential influences in our lives, potential answers to life's questions. And yet, there has been one best-selling book out of thousands for all time. Now, many have attempted to question the Bible. Is it relevant for today? Does what was written hundreds, thousands of years ago apply to our lives today? Is it without error? 
There are so many questions that have been attempted to be asked about the Bible. And I'll go a step further to say today there is an ongoing aggressive attempt in our world today to compromise or even do away with the truth of God's Word. In fact, I'll go far enough to say it's the same agenda that the enemy had from the very beginning of time. Did God really say? That was the question he asked Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? Because if I can get you, or if the enemy can get you to doubt that it's from God, or to doubt God in what he said, he can get you to live in a way that's not according to what God said. Did God really say? Now the Bible has been printed more than five billion times, and that doesn't include missionary contexts and other foreign countries where even the possession of a Bible can be considered a punishable crime. But over five billion known times, and the Bible remains the most reliable, relevant book that has stood the test of time. Look at what the Lord tells us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures till next week. The word of the Lord endures so long as everything in culture stays the same. That's not what it says. It says the word of the Lord endures forever. And the point being, a lot of things will change, but the word of God will stand. First Peter, Peter writes and draws from this passage in First Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. And the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Again, drawing from that Isaiah 40 verse 8, Peter again reiterates there are going to be a lot of changes. There's going to be a lot of things that pass away, but God's word will stand forever. And he even emphasizes that as the early church, this is what they chose to preach to people. It wasn't just popular opinion or psychological ways to self-improve yourself. It was, this is the Word of God which brings life to you. Jesus Himself said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. It's similar to what the angel told Mary in our Christmas narrative weeks gone by when he said, no word from God will ever fail. I want to give you a few reasons that I, I think today give us reason to pause and consider giving a lot of attention to the Bible, to pay close attention in our lives to what God has to say. First of all, I would tell you if you're taking notes today, number one, the Bible is reliable. The Bible is reliable. Now, this, is, this goes further than just a theological or apologetics framework. This goes further than just our belief that the Scripture is without error. We certainly believe it is inerrant, meaning it is without error. If there's something that we struggle to match or some way that we struggle to understand, the struggle is on our end of things, not on God's. Right, So the, the Bible is without error. But let me go a step further in that and, and talk about the Bible's reliability. First of all, I would challenge you to consider the timeline of the biblical writings, especially for simplicity today, let's consider the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
Now, what you may not realize is we in American and world cultures accept much of history and much of many of the historical figures that have lived prior to us, and we accept them as fact, even though the writings that document their lives and their conquests came decades or even centuries after they'd already died. So let's take, for example, one figure in history that perhaps you'll at least recognize, the name Alexander the Great. If you study Alexander the Great, you recognize that, like all, he has died, and yet it was hundreds of years before anyone took the task of documenting his history. Many of the historical figures are that way. People would go back hundreds of years later and document what took place. The Bible is different in that it is filled with eyewitness first-hand accounts. And then it's also filled, let's take for instance the gospel writer Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts. He was one who investigated and talked directly to these first-hand witnesses. So what was given to us as Scripture was written within a closer timeline to the events and when they really happened. And what really happened. Let's take this for example. As human beings, we can have a tendency to forget. We can have a tendency to reframe how things happen sometimes, right? So if something happens, let's just say it's a conversation between two people. The further you get from that conversation between two people, the likelihood or possibility that it is that how that conversation went down can begin to change in someone's mind. They don't recall the conversation the same way the further they are from that conversation as they did closer to when it happened. What's my point in all of this? We accept so much of history as concrete facts and even go far enough to teach those things to the next generations and to other people that were written well after those things took place. And yet here in the writings of Scripture... We have documented evidence of things that took place closer to the time that they happened, and yet we cause more question about the Bible than we do about the other things. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So I would suggest to you today that credit should be given to the reality of the Bible, and it's more closely connected to the events of history than many of the historical documents and figures that are so highly valued in our culture. This enhances, in my mind, the argument for biblical accuracy. I'm more likely to write facts about something closer to when it happened than I am to remember how it happened hundreds of years later. But we, as a culture, hold those things that were written hundreds of years later almost at times at a higher standard than we do the Word of God that was documented close to when it took place. Are you tracking with me so far? I know this requires a little bit of thinking, but hopefully you're tracking with me. Now, consider in addition to that what people did in view of Jesus and what's documented concerning Him. I don't have time to get off into all of this, but when you deal with the resurrection of Jesus, how, how do you separate Christianity from all of these other religions? How do you separate Christianity as being greater than all of these other schools of thought? And it comes back to the person of Jesus. If, if Jesus was dead in a tomb, 
just like all of these others that other religions can be based on, then we would have no basis or reason to live the Christian life. The Apostle Paul said, if, if Jesus is dead, why are we preaching? It's foolishness. We're wasting our time. If Jesus is in the tomb, we can't believe that sins are forgiven. If Jesus is in the tomb, we can't believe anything he said. If Jesus is dead, this whole thing is done. But he's not. He rose again. He appeared to more than 500 people even at one time and others along the way in that 40-day period before he ascended back to heaven. But it goes further than that. Based on Jesus and based on the truth of his words, there were people who followed Jesus on this earth who were willing to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Now hear what I just said. I didn't just say they were willing to give money in an offering. I didn't just say they were willing to be at a local church service. These people were willing to give their lives for the gospel, for the truth of God. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not going to give my life just because somebody spread a rumor to me that's supposedly true. I need to know this is fact. I need to know this is real. I need to know this is legitimate. And the people who lived and gave their lives, they were either first-hand witnesses or they heard it from first-hand witnesses. They knew that these were not uh, based thoughts on conjecture. They didn't die based on conjecture or, or theory. They died based on concrete facts. They knew the truth. They knew it wholeheartedly. Now, in addition to those things, I want you to consider where the Bible originated from. The Bible originated from God Himself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed or inspired by God. You think back to the origin, of, the origin of creation and you think of how God breathed into Adam and he had life. That tells us that the Bible is living and active. We'll actually read a verse that says that very thing here in just a few moments. The Word of God is living and active. The life and breath of God in the Scriptures to us. Now we often consider the Bible to have multiple authors we consider that one person wrote the first five books of the Bible, another person wrote a chunk of the New Testament, so on and so on and so on. But in reality, what we're learning here is that Scripture had one author and multiple writers, multiple penmen. The Holy Spirit was the one who inspired and led these people to write in the details and to capture the lessons and things to write so that we would have it. This is why that over hundreds of years... The Bible, written by multiple writers, is consistent. This is why people in totally different time frames wrote some of the same themes of Scripture hundreds of years before or after, namely the theme of God's love and wanting relationship with creation and wanting to restore what He created to be what He intended it to be. There's a reason why the Bible is so congruent, why it fits all together. There may have been different times, there may have been different people groups, there may have been different letters written to different local churches, but in reality there are overarching, overworking themes of God throughout the Scripture because God led them to write what they wrote. There's a reason it all fits together. 
And then I would also challenge you to consider that, as we said a moment ago, no word from God ever fails. So that means we should consider when, we, when we're taking the Bible to heart, He's always done what He said He would do. So we can be sure that the Bible is reliable. Whatever God said, God is going to do. Consider back through history. Go back and look at God's track record. Go back particularly even in the Old Testament and study how many times God foretold what was going to happen. How many times did God talk about, even to specific people groups, even to specific time periods, how many times did God talk about they would be free or they would be captive or they would be taken? All these different things that would happen throughout time and every one of them came to pass just as God said it would. Now, a lot of people study Bible prophecy and it's, it's certainly correct to do so. We're told in Revelation that there's a special blessing available to those who pay attention to the words of God. We should not be ignorant. The Bible even tells us that we can be aware of the signs of the time. Now, there are people who go too far. There are leaves that fall from trees that just fell from trees as leaves, and that's all there is to it. Okay? Not everything is a tie to Bible prophecy. I remember a number of years ago when, when debit cards came out and there was a real implication that somehow a debit card was the mark of the beast. Now, if you're not familiar with the mark of the beast, it's this understanding by the book of Revelation that there will come a time on earth when every person who buys or sells anything will have to have a specific mark located in a specific spot in order to buy or sell. Okay. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to be careful here. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying that there's not technology that brings some awareness to some things that could change in the world, okay? But I'm also not going to tell you, because I don't believe this is what the Bible teaches, that you're going to unintentionally take the mark of the beast. The Scripture indicates it's a willful choice to do so, okay? My point in saying all of that is we may know some things about Bible prophecy but I'm not convinced we know everything about Bible prophecy. I'll go far enough to say that anyone who tells you that they know 100% how everything's going to happen from here on out, you shouldn't listen to those people. Because I don't believe anyone. I'll give you a different example. We know a lot about heaven based on Scripture. But I don't believe that we can grasp the fullness of what heaven's going to be like just by what we have. There are going to be more things about it and more ways about it and more descriptions about it. And we never could fully comprehend the glory that's going to be there. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? We have some revelation, if you will, from God, but it doesn't mean that we have the entirety. What's my point in all this? We may have some evidence and some nuggets and some things about how things are going to unfold in our world. And a lot of people spend a lot of time watching certain places, listening to certain news outlets, doing all these things, trying to make the puzzle pieces fit together. I'm not saying we should be ignorant, but I am saying rather than worrying or being anxious or concerned about what's going on in the world, we can follow God and trust God's word and God's character that he knows what's going to happen. We don't have to try to figure it out out. God's always known and he will always know and he's got it taken care of. So that brings comfort to us. 
When we talk about the Bible's reliability, what does the Bible tell us? Well, the Bible tells us if we are in Christ, we are not only a new creation, but we have the promise of eternal life, and we don't have to worry about what the enemy does. We don't have to worry about what happens in this world because it's temporary anyway. We can keep pointed towards eternity, pointed towards Christ, and live in view of Christ in eternity and find comfort that when everything is different and everything is chaotic, God's got it. It's under control. We don't have to sweat it. I mean, a couple of years ago, I I think we found out real quickly how strong we were in the Lord. Because things changed in the blink of an eye. Nobody had ever lived through a pandemic before, or at least not to this caliber, right? And so people begin to fret and worry and wonder. Let me give you a little newsflash. I want to be encouraging to you on this first day of 2023, but I want to tell you reality too. There may be a few surprises in 2023. In fact, I think we're living in a time we can probably expect more surprises than givens. There are going to be some things that are going to happen. The world is seeing the influence of the enemy and his agenda. We've got a lot of things going on underneath in the spiritual realm, if you will, that you can't always see just blatantly in the natural. My point is take comfort in the reality that the Bible is reliable and God has already spoken what's going to happen. The new heavens and the new earth will come. We will live with God forever. There will be no stain of sin and there will be nothing that can stop God's kingdom. Period. So take comfort in that. The Bible is reliable. Number two, the Bible helps a person connect to God or know God. The Bible helps a person connect to God or know God. Listen, if anyone truly desires to know God, God is not some being or deity that created the world, walked away and said, okay, have at it, do whatever you're going to do. God is very much eager for relationships. So if you want to know his character, if you want to know his consistency, if you want to know his heart for people, his love for people, all you have to do is look to the pages of Scripture. God's interactions with ordinary people just like us, God's salvation and salvific plans for ordinary people just like us, God's promises to ordinary people just like we are, God's power at work and response to ordinary people just like us. If you want to know God, all you have to do is look to the Word. All you have to do is go to Him. I think about... All of the ordinary people just like us, we often read Scripture, I think, with this lens of this spiritual superiority, how these people were so great in God. And yet, the Bible is clear that these were ordinary people just like us. In fact, we we read in the New Testament, I believe it's in the book of James, talking about the effectiveness of prayer. But James referenced back to the prophet Elijah. And what did it say about Elijah? Well, there was a point when he prayed and it didn't rain, and then there was a point where he prayed and it rained again. But there's an interesting note in Scripture that says, Elijah being an ordinary man just like we are. What's the point there? God is trying to emphasize that it doesn't take some spiritually elite to get through to the throne of God. We can be ordinary people who, because we're in Christ, we can talk to the Lord and God will talk to us. He's not hiding. He's not mysterious or trying to be mysterious. God wants us to know Him. Take a look at Jesus' ministry while on earth. 
History records of the Son of God walking the roads and interacting with real people in real places and changing people's lives. In Jesus, we see God the Father. In Jesus, we hear God the Father. He's waiting for you, wanting to be known among all people. Listen to these words, Jeremiah 29 Verse 13, we often reference two verses before. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now, I recognize that uh, we're saved by the grace of God, and I recognize that the Holy Spirit will work with us. In fact, the, the literal meaning of the idea of the word comforter, another comforter means one called to come alongside. So we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit being our helper in that sense. But there's also a free will in us. One of my favorite words in the English vocabulary is the word intentional. Because I'm convinced if we want to grow in the Lord and know the Lord, we have to be intentional to take that step. It's one thing to have access to the Bible. It's another thing to open it and do something with it, right? Intentional starts with the letter I. I need to take a step. And that's what God tells us in His Word. If you want to know me and you want to know who I am and how I am and, and you, want to, you want to experience God for yourself, all you got to do is open the door. In fact, in Revelation 3.20, it was Jesus' words to a specific local church, but I believe it applies to every person today. Jesus himself said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, who does the opening? We do. If anyone will open the door, hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus saying, if you'll open the door and let me in, I'll sit down with you, I'll talk with you, we will interact with one another, we will have an ongoing relationship together. It's a beautiful picture. Does that sound like the God with a long white beard and white hair carrying the cane that wants to strike everybody down with lightning at the moment's notice? No, it sounds like the one that the Bible says in the Old Testament that Moses talked with God as a friend with a friend. He invites us to that. Here I stand, if you'll open the door. So we find that if we want to know God, all we have to do is look to His Word. Thirdly, Bible engagement changes a person's life. Bible engagement changes a person's life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is alive and active. I referenced this a moment ago. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The uncomfortable part about Bible engagement, but the beneficial part about Bible engagement, is that the Bible confronts us with the truth of God and accomplishes God's purposes in seeing us grow. Let me say it a different way. The Bible has a way of showing us who we really are. Now it's, now, it's the Holy Spirit at work through truth. We understand that. But the Bible has a way. We, we don't just read the Bible. The Bible actually reads us. We've heard incredible stories even of people who are in a hotel room uh, considering ending their lives. And they picked up a copy of the Bible, a Gideon Bible, and they began to read it and made a decision to follow Jesus and didn't take their own life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the Word of God to change people's lives. He works only through the parameters of truth. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead someone in contradiction to truth, but always in alignment with truth. So if we will read the Word, the Holy Spirit will be at work to change our lives. 
And not only is that true at salvation, but that's ongoing transformation. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, or don't think like the world thinks, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform means in the English metamorphosis, the idea of a caterpillar going to a butterfly in the cocoon. The whole idea is we are being changed, transformed by God. How does that happen? How is our mind renewed? We are reflecting on the truth of God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is helping it to take root in us. And the Holy Spirit's helping us to live it out. God uses His Word to transform us. Now, just to give you a, a touch more credence to what I'm saying today, Barna Research, and Barna is a, a group that's known, they've been doing studies throughout the church world for many, many, many years. You can read all sorts of different kinds of studies that they've done. But within our Assemblies of God fellowship, there has been a desire to increase or enhance Bible engagement. We see statistically that the younger the generation, the less engaged they are in Scripture. It's just what it is. But I'll tell you, that was true a number of years ago, and now it's not just what people would call the younger. It's, it's all across the board. We're living in the most biblically illiterate time. So our Assemblies of God Fellowship, which we're a part of as EPAG, our Assemblies of God Fellowship has been very intentional to try to determine, are we really engaged with the Bible? And if not, then how do we help change that narrative? How do we help make sure that we're engaged more with the Bible? In the process of all of that evaluation, they studied over 1,500 practicing Jesus followers. Now, just to make sure we're clear, practicing Jesus follower means I don't just know about Jesus, I'm actually being intentional with my life to follow Jesus. Okay? So 1,500 practicing Jesus followers. Here's what people had to say. The people with higher Bible engagement, meaning they, they read and took in the Scripture more in their lives and allowed God to work in their life, those with higher Bible engagement recognize more of the fruit of the Spirit at work in their lives. They agreed more with statements like these. It's easy for me to see the good in others. I can experience joy in my life even in the tough times. I regularly seek opportunities to do something nice for others. I am not easily angered or upset when someone disagrees with me. I seldom say or do things I know would displease God. Now, they, this wasn't a response to somehow say I'm spiritually better or superior to other people. It was simply a response during the study of saying, do you recognize these works of the Holy Spirit in your life? And what they found was the correlation between the people who were engaged more with Scripture had more of the recognized evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In fact, it went a step further. In their study, they recognized that the people with higher Bible engagement experienced greater intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The people with higher Bible engagement had a higher priority on living their faith out in public. Those with higher Bible engagement considered their work, even in the marketplace, as worship to God. And those with higher Bible engagement were more engaged in serving through their local church and or a nonprofit organization. Here's the, here's the summary statement, and this is what the conclusion was. Those with higher Bible engagement experienced overall greater satisfaction in life in their personal relationships with family and friendships, in their work, in their personal time, in their church, and in their work-life balance. 
It's pretty plain. The more we walk with God, the more engagement with God's word, the more we seek to know him, the greater we have an awareness of the work of God in our lives, the greater we have an awareness of his change in us, the greater contentment we have in Christ and what we have in him, even if we don't have a lot on this earth. Bible engagement changes our lives. Bible engagement also leads to a biblical worldview examining culture through the lens of Scripture that brings clarity to our lives. We're in a dangerous time right now in our world. And we've been here for a while, but it's only worse. What's happening right now in our world is we are, and I'm not going to do this because I I just personally feel it would be disrespectful and I don't want to get hateful emails from you this week, but... What we're, what we're doing right now in our world, even, even some people who claim to be Jesus followers, I mean, it's one thing for the people who aren't even claiming to follow Jesus. They don't have any regard for the word at all. Okay. But then you bring to it, you wonder how we got to, how's, how's biblical illiteracy so low? You wonder how we got to a place where so many people don't know the word of God. Well, the problem is we have even Jesus followers who are saying, you know what, I really like this part right here, but I don't like this part over here, so I'm just going to take it out. What's happening is our our world is pushing us to to develop a viewpoint of the Bible based on whatever cultural narrative we're pushing and however we feel from one day to the next. Well, I feel this way. The Bible doesn't agree with it. Well, the Bible's wrong. So what's happening is we we are compromising, and sometimes it's not as blatant. It's not always as clear as you might think. It's, it's back to the Garden of Eden when the enemy said, did God really say? It, it's creating the seed of doubt. It's creating the, the, the push away from the Word of God because he knows if he can get us away from the Word of God and we don't live by the Word of God, then we're truly not going to follow Jesus. And if we're really not following Jesus and really not in Christ, then we're in trouble. And he knows that. So we're living in a time when we're taught, well, if culture and the Bible don't align, then let's just change the Bible. When what God wants us to do is to look at culture through the lens of Scripture and interpret culture through the lens of Scripture. I wear glasses. It's not because I think they look cool. It's not because I'm trying to be the trendiest pastor. I missed that boat a long time ago. It's because I want to see I tried to wear contacts once. It just didn't go well. Um, I think the spiky hair and the glasses helped my face to look a little longer because, as you can tell, I've got enough chubby cheeks without any other issues. And so I, I try to elongate my face a little bit. You're laughing, but you agree. Anyway... It's, it's the people in the lobby that want to pinch my cheeks that really convinced me that this was a true thing. Anyway, I tried to wear contacts. And, and especially like if I was wearing a hat or if I was playing golf or doing something like that, I wanted to wear contacts, not glasses, because wearing glasses with a hat, it pushes down on your nose, so on and so forth. So I tried to wear contacts. The problem was contacts would get so dry in my eyes that when I went to take those contacts out, it felt like I was ripping my eyeball out. 
So I would have to put the contact, I'd have to look this way, put the contact in the side of my eyeball, slide it over to, I don't have a problem with sticking my finger in my eye. That's not the issue for all of you people that are grossed out right now. I had to stick the contact in the side of my eye and slide it over to the center of my eye. But later in the day when I went to take the contact out, I couldn't just pull it off because it felt like I was ripping my eyeball out. So I had to take the contact back from the center, slide it back to the other side, and then pull it out. I tried the eye drops, and every other person who's going to tell me every other remedy, I tried it. I have astigmatism. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm nearsighted or farsighted. It just means that sometimes things are a little blurry. The worst time's probably at night. There's a halo effect around the taillights of the cars, and if the sign's just far enough away, I can probably make it out. We're to a point in our marriage where my wife says, you can't see that. Okay? So these are really helpful, especially at night when I'm driving. What happens is not that I can't see. I mean, I can read the screen. I know that that says, this is the Bible. Engage with it. Thank the Lord I read that right. But anyway, I can read. I can make out a lot of different things. But what these glasses do, it helps bring clarity. It brings a sharpness to what I'm looking at so that I can make out details that I couldn't make out before. The Bible brings clarity to the chaos of the world and order to the disorganization of the world. Again, it's kind of back to this idea of what's really going on in the world. And when we can't see the work of the enemy, we can't see the agenda of evil, we can't see all the different things that are going on, or we wonder what's next, or we wonder... Rather than trying to figure it all out on our own, all we have to do is read the Scripture, find comfort in what God said, find comfort in who He is, and trust Him. He'll take care of the details. He knows everything that's going to happen. The Bible brings clarity. Scripture brings clarity or answers to life's big questions, like life itself, living, dying, the afterlife, evil in our world, suffering, all of these different things. The Bible answers these questions. The very questions that people are searching to find the answers to. Just yesterday, I drove over to St. Louis Park to, to visit with someone. don't know them very well, but we'd been reached out to here at the church and had the opportunity to go over and, and visit the, the hospice home there. And I sat at the bedside of someone who, by all indications in the natural realm, is probably nearing a transition from this life. What did we do in that moment? I opened up the Word of God, and I read His promises. God loved us, and He gave us His Son so that we could be saved. We can have life in Him. We have the promise of eternal life, both now and not yet. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We, we were able to go through all of these scriptures that talk about who God is, what His promises are, how He's a shepherd in our lives. There was comfort that came by going to the scripture and reading the promises of God, even in the middle of the things that we've never experienced before. We interpret the world through the lens of Scripture. We see creation in light of the Creator Himself. We grow to know how to live in a world and in a body that are decaying before our very eyes. The Bible helps life make sense. Because we're not living just for this moment. We're living for eternity with God. This is temporary. That's permanent.
These are the reasons that make the Bible more than just a book among books. It may be finding a needle in a haystack at Barnes & Noble to locate a Bible. But Bible access is readily available to every person who wants to explore Christianity and faith, who wants to know God, and every person who wants to grow. We have access to God's life-giving words. Now for Jesus' followers... And I'll wrap up real quick. For Jesus' followers, Bible engagement is a healthy habit, a regular rhythm, and a daily discipline. We understand as Jesus' followers, we need to hear from the Word of God. We need the benefits of knowing God and walking in relationship with Him. And we need to experience the blessings of following His ways. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. A few verses later, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Proverbs 16, 20. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers. And blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Psalm 119, and this doesn't just apply to young people, but David in his life was writing and said, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? It's so impressive to me that God put the Scriptures together the way that He did, that Psalm 119, the longest chapter in Scripture, falls in the middle of the Bible and talks all about the importance of the Word of God. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Boy, God doesn't miss anything. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Notice the, the action steps or the intentionality of the psalmist. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight Delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. Notice it. I'll read it. I'll absorb it. I'll think about it. I'll, I'll bury it in my heart. I will live it out. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to follow. Lord, I will not neglect your word because I recognize it gives me life. Here's the practical encouragement. I'll end with this. Wherever you're at in your Bible engagement, if you've been engaged in the Scripture, I commend you, I applaud you, keep going. The Bible is clear that we're to not grow weary in well-doing, but uh, that we can expect that in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There are some days that you may read Scripture, and when you walk away from reading in those moments, it may not feel like anything has happened, but I find that the Word of God is a lot like water. How many of you... I know I'm putting you on the spot, but how many of you would say in the new year you hope to eat a little better, drink a little better, things like that? Okay, all right. Pretty typical at the beginning of the year. Like, like me, you'll fall off by February too. But anyway, um, we, we all try to do better. One of the things that a lot of people do that are health conscious is they, they, want, they encourage you to drink a lot of water. Some people, I heard the moaning and groaning from that. It, drinking a lot of water. Here's what I found. Years ago, I started drinking more water. I, I learned that lesson from my mom, and, and I started drinking more water. Water, Believe it or not, water and coffee. And coffee's kind of like water, because anyway. Um, I, <laughs> I, 
I actually drink a lot of water. Most meals I drink water. I drink water throughout the day. My day starts with water before it starts with coffee, so on and so on. What I have found through the years is by drinking a lot of water, my body becomes accustomed to water. So if I go without having enough water, not just days, but even within hours, I can tell the difference. I can tell that that there's a craving in me for the water. Sometimes you walk away from reading the Word of God and you think nothing really changed, but if you've ever had that hit and miss pattern, then perhaps you've noticed that when you read the Bible continuously, when you're continually engaged, there's something better about life. There's something better about the way things go. There's some kind of frame of mindset that's different. And then when you miss it, you, you miss it. And you recognize life's not what it needs to be. The more you read it, even when it doesn't feel like it sometimes, the more you read it, the more you'll want to read it. The more you drink water, the more you'll want water. It's life. Here's my practical encouragements. Number one, determine that Bible engagement is a non-negotiable in your life. Non-negotiable. As I said earlier, I do believe the Holy Spirit will help us, but I do believe we have some free will. We've got to be intentional. Uh, Opening the Bible and taking the Word to heart is not going to just happen automatically. Your default will not be to have spiritual disciplines. You have to make it a priority. And by making it a priority, if it's really that important, then make it a habit. Uh, A lot of people this time of year focus, as I said a moment ago, on right eating and exercise and more time with people who matter. And physical discipline is good. I could probably use a lot less cake this year. Or maybe not that massive bowl of butter pecan ice cream I had last night about 10 o'clock when I was already starting my comfort food process if Georgia lost the football game. I started eating way too early. Physical discipline is good, but spiritual discipline, Scripture teaches us, is even more valuable. It's good to take care of the temple, but this is temporary. God's Word lasts forever. So let's be physically disciplined, but let's be spiritually disciplined. Make sure that God's Word is a main thing in your life, a non-negotiable. Number two, choose a daily reading plan that will help you keep on track. There's plenty to choose from in the YouVersion Bible app. I'll give you one in just a moment to reference. Uh, if you're new to Bible engagement, if you've not been a person who's engaged in the Bible and reading the Bible, start with the New Testament because if you start under the front cover, it's possible that you'll run into some things that you won't quite understand simply because you don't have the context of understanding Jesus in the New Testament to understand it. So I always recommend someone who's starting with the Bible, start in one of the Gospels. We'll do that in just a moment. If you've been engaging in the Bible, continue to take a next step. It's great to read the Bible through in a year, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. You can read it cover to cover. You can read it uh, an Old Testament, a New Testament, and a Psalm or a Proverb. You can read it in chronological order. Uh, you can do a lot of different things. I, I didn't know this till recently, but our own Jeff Braun had a lot to do with a plan called the Bible Recap. There's also a book that goes with it. It's a great resource to read through the Bible, to study, to take it in. Whatever you do, choose a plan that will help keep you on track. Number three, choose the best time and place that fits your level of focus. I've always encouraged people to read the Bible and to pray before you start your day. I do believe there's value in the morning time just because uh, I think it sets a tone for your day. At the same time, I recognize that you and I aren't the same person. So I may enjoy getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You may enjoy getting up at 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm not sure. 
But the point being, some people are morning people, some people are night owls. I just encourage you to target the time with the energy and the focus where you can actually understand what you're reading and not just read it to get it done. Uh, If you're falling asleep, you're not going to get a lot out of Scripture. Right? You're better off to be awake. So choose a time that best fits. Have a habit. Pick the same place. Pick the same time. Do it for retention and value it. Don't don't speed read just to get it done. Because if that's what you're doing, then you're really probably wasting a lot of time. Remember that we get to sit, sit at the feet of God Almighty. We get to sit with the Creator of the universe who loves us and we can learn from Him. Next, pray before you read the Bible. It's a good practice to say, Lord, as I read through your word, what, what can I learn? What do you want to speak to me? Show me the things that I don't yet know. Reveal to me. And I can promise you, if you'll pray that, God will open your eyes. The Holy Spirit will be at work even as you're reading Scripture. Pray something like this. God, open my heart to your words. Examine me. Change me. Help me rightly study and apply your word. Now, that's my prayer. My words, make it your own. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be very simple. God, I want to hear from you. Speak to me as I read your word. Lastly, read the Bible with quality over quantity in mind. Uh, You can read ten chapters a day, but I'd rather you read one or two and know what you read and be able to recite back to someone what God is speaking to you than I would for you to be able to check the box to say you read ten chapters in a day. I I want you to hear from God. If there's one thing through the years as a pastor that I've desired more than anything, it's for you to know God personally and to never get codependent on your pastor to feed you God's Word. If this is the only feeding you're getting, you're hungry. I want you to know God for yourself. This is kind of the... The add to. This is kind of the the keeping you on track moment. This is kind of the local church engagement, how God wants it to be. But it's your personal relationship with God where God's going to reveal so much and do so much in your life. Read the Bible with quality over quantity in mind. Read some each day and maybe set a certain time aside for concentrated study times. Hey, I'm going to go deeper in this. I came across something and I think God's speaking. I want to go deeper in this area. We want to hear, we want to remember, we want to be able to recite, we want to meditate, we want to apply it to our lives. We want to live out the Word of God. So here's our response today. Number one, I want to, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to engage with the Bible. If you are, again, I commend you, keep going. If you say today, honestly, man, I'm kind of hit and miss. There's some days where I do really well. You know, January 1st, I start a plan, but then I kind of think life happens and chaos comes and crises and kids and, gosh, I get it. I get it. But let's make a commitment that we're going to be engaged in the Bible. I want to help you do that. So today we're launching at EPAG a 90-day reading plan. We're going to set a goal. Let's get through the first 90 days. Let's do the first 90 days together. So today, we're launching this Bible reading plan. It's, a, it's a, by the Bible Project. It's based on the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Great place to start. There's a QR code on the screen. You can also do something as simple as texting the word PLAN, P-L-A-N, to the number 952 It's all on the screen. 
There'll be people in the lobby who can help you with this as well. But you can sign up today through the YouVersion Bible app, which is probably the most common Bible app on most phones. You can sign up today to be a part of this 90-day journey through the Gospels. It's quality over quantity. So there'll be a chunk each day. And in fact, the Bible Project has a video before each one of the gospel books that helps explain kind of the overarching understanding or history or context of the book. So you'll get that video. If you're a visual learner, these videos are phenomenal. Uh, Watch that video. I think the first day today is Matthew chapter 1. Now, don't open it up and read the lineage of Jesus and quit. There's more there than what you may think. Here's the beauty of this. We're working on and making sure that as you sign up, not only can you read this on your own, but we're working on being it where you can discuss these passages among the EPAG community. So thoughts you have or maybe even reading others' thoughts, and it helps bring perspective to some of these things. I can tell you in Matthew chapter 1, even in the lineage of Jesus, it's hard to read that list and not reflect on the different types of people that God used throughout history to bring about Jesus and how some of them weren't the people you would expect God to use and yet he worked through them even throughout history to bring the Messiah it's really beautiful it really is I want to challenge you today to be a part of this. You can text it. You can scan the QR code. Either way, read the small chunk. Engage with others. Hey, listen, if you want to get together with people and discuss what you're reading, you can do that in your life groups. You can do that in other groups. You can do that over coffee. You can do it over a meal. Uh, There are great ways to get together and chew on Scripture together so that we properly digest what God is saying to us. Let's... Let's commit ourselves to engaging God's Word this year. God will speak. God will lead us. God will help us. Would you stand with me if you're in the room today? And if you're online, we'd love for you to join this as well. It doesn't matter if you're a part of EPAG or not. If you're with us in any way, we'd love for you to join this Bible reading plan. So feel free to do that. I believe it's on your screen as well. In a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal and blessing over you. And you'll have plenty of time to engage with this Bible reading plan. We'll make sure it's posted, and we'll make sure to get it out in our upcoming EPAG update. There'll be multiple reminders for you to engage. We'll even, I'll even share it personally on social media uh, just to make sure you have it there. I would love for you to engage the Bible with me, and I'd love for us to follow Jesus together and see what God will do. Let's pray together today. Father, we, we commit ourselves to seeking you. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. God, I, I want that ongoing relationship like Moses had, that we talk as friend with friend. I want that ongoing relationship that, that uh, when he spent time in that tent of meeting talking to you, Lord, and, and you talking to him, I, that's what I want, Lord. I want to hear from you. I want to know your ways and your will, and I want to follow you, Lord. And I believe we all want to do that together. So, Lord, I pray, help us to commit ourselves to your word, recognizing the reliability of the word, recognizing that it's your words to us, and recognizing that engagement in your word will change our lives. Help us to take this action step today. Now, Lord, I pray that you bless and keep this people, and you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned their direction. 
And may you grant them your peace. I pray keep us well and safe and whole. And as we read your word, may we hear your voice. May we take it into our hearts and minds and may we live it out. Bless these times of Bible engagement, I pray in Jesus' name.